This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. Welcome to The 20 Podcast, bringing you interviews from the best DJs, producers, and music industry professionals from around the globe. I'm your host, DJ Spider. Yeah, that's right. This podcast is brought to you by BeatSource. BeatSource is the new digital music service for open format DJs, and if you have not been on there yet, make sure you go on and explore all the amazing curated playlists. But something even more exciting is that today, BeatSource Link has just dropped. So phase two of BeatSource was just launched as of this week, which is so exciting. You need to create an account, go check it out. Basically, you can stream DJ and stream songs from the internet, from the cloud, or you can save them into a locker on your computer to play them offline. But basically, you've got access to the most insane library from songs going way back in time to the newest stuff just coming out, as well as these amazing curated playlists that they have created. So go on BeatSource.com. Now is the time. There's a 30-day free trial, so you can check out Link. Um, It's in record box now, and with more to come, it's pretty amazing. I'm sure Mojax and some of the DJ City team are going to put out some videos explaining it. So head over to BeatSource.com and peep that. And thank you guys for supporting the show. Now I want to give a shout to all my beat sorcerers. What is happening, you guys? Thank you for rocking with us through all of the crazy stuff that's been going on. I hope you guys are holding it together and doing your thing out there. Hopefully this show can be an inspiration and spark some ideas for you guys. Hit me with any questions, you know, comments, topics you want me to talk about. At DJ Spider on instagram and uh, all the platforms at dj s-p-i-d-e-r and on twitter at d-e-e-j-a-y-s-p-i-d-e-r um, and i got my twitch channel cracking it's twitch.tv slash dj spider one so go peep that i'll be doing live streams and all of that i've been learning so much about that stuff so hit me if you want to connect and and talk about that stuff it's been great every week connecting with people learning more about live streaming and still staying up on the music and all that stuff um today on the show we have got a legend an og okay the og is even in his social media name this guy was an original founding member of nwa he is huge in the tech scene and the venture capitalist he's got his own company doing things in that world he's a futurist but he's also one of the most legendary old school djs producers rappers that has been around he basically helped to invent and create a genre of music and he you know we went over so many dope things um i mean he was telling me crazy stories about eze and the nwa days he's telling me about future things we should look out for we went over streaming platforms we went over dj battles in the 80s of la dj crews that were similar to jamaican sound clash uh battles that they did in the convention centers here i didn't even know about i mean he dropped so many jewels on us in this interview so uh, without further ado, let's get into it and please give it up for Arabian Prince on the 20 Podcast. What's up, Arabian Prince? It is so dope to have you here on the 20 Podcast. Thank you for coming in virtually and being on the show. How are you feeling yes. today? 
I'm amazing, sir. How are you? I am amazing, too. Just, uh, I don't know, 50, 60 days inside, chilling now. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. It's been like forever, dude. But, hey, way to be creative. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like I learned a lot. I'm learning about all the stuff that you have already been into for a big part of your life. Um, so I want I want to learn, you know, I want to teach everyone else listening about that. Um, like we're living in such a crazy, unprecedented time right now with the pandemic and it's, a you know, affecting every industry, especially music and DJs and uh, everyone's having to adapt and evolve. And so that's why I was really happy to have you on the show today. Um because I know you're a DJ, rapper, producer, and all that, but you're also a self-proclaimed futurist, um, and you like to, you know, look ahead, be ahead of the curve, and all that stuff. So, what are some of the things you're working on right now, like in the tech space, and you know, within the futurist vibe that you're talking about? Um, well, it's so funny, man. Like right before this whole COVID thing happened, I was mostly focusing on esports and gaming, you know, because I just launched a new product called M Classic. That was the first ever uh, graphics processor for game consoles. Because, you know, if you have a, a big gaming computer, you can throw a big graphics card in there to give you better graphics and make your gameplay faster and, you know, stuff like that. But there was never any way to, um, in lack of a better word, pimp your game console. Like, you can <laughs> pimp your PlayStation or your xbox out and make it better or faster so i partnered with a, a tech company out of france that had this technology they built a processing chip so i took that redesigned it we put it out in the market space man and it's doing really well so started that and then um i just launched a gaming hardware manufacturing company that we're going to be building like pro series game uh, peripherals and stuff like that but wow. since the whole thing has pivoted with um COVID. like when we, before we got on i'm like yeah i'm 3d printing face masks now so right um, i'm 3d printing face masks i'm doing um a new app with a, another tech company where we're going to be building um a testing app that you can buy the testing kits just say for like a big corporation that's got to get everybody back to work they want yeah. to get back out there in the space how do they do it safely you know, yeah, you can test, but you got to track all that stuff. There's no infrastructure out there for doing it properly. All this stuff is being built on the fly. So we're one of the companies that are going to be building some new infrastructure on the COVID side of things as well. Wow, that's crazy. It's just nuts how something can happen and then just spark things you never thought of before, you know, and like push you in a direction that, like you said, two months ago, you didn't even think you'd be working on this stuff. And now you're printing, 3D printing face masks and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. You got to do what you got to do, man. Make people safe. Right. Exactly. But I, I think that's, that's sort of in the DNA of all DJs. Like we love to be creative, adapt to new things. At least some DJs do. And, uh, kind of, you know, adapt and evolve like as we go, you know, so whether it's like reading the crowd and doing it with their music or kind of doing it with your career, how you're doing, you know, just delving into other stuff. I mean, you've always been into very technical um, computer type stuff, right? Yeah, I've been making um, video games for, man, over 30 years, man. Um, I started when I made my first record when I was 16, you know, being a DJ growing up in the hood, um, I 
started making a little money, man, I got into computers, you know, like back yeah. when nobody was into computers, like it, they weren't really calling them personal computers. It was just a computer. And right. I just kind of got in it. And then, you know, I tell people in order to be a producer back then, you yeah. had to be damn near a computer scientist to get simpy and MIDI and all that stuff to work in the studio because nobody yeah. was doing it. So, so you know, got in, learned, and was blessed enough to see the uptick in video games in the 80s, man. And I was like, I need to invest in this. I mean, not only invest in it, I want to be a part of building it. And, you know, since then, I've worked on over 100 video games. And um, I'm actually a 3D designer, too. So I've worked on a lot of feature film and television shows like Silver Surfer, Adam's Family, Casper, doing uh, animation on a lot of stuff over the last 30 years. Oh, that's super dope. Yeah, and also music and video games have always had this like synergy, I feel like, and just been connected to each other since the beginning. Even with the 8-bit horrible sounding, you know, music in those games, yeah. there's something like classic about it that's stuck in our heads that we still like to hear, you know, and then now it's like the soundtrack of our life. Like they have all the real music in there, you know, it's crazy. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and it's so funny you mentioned 8-bit. People are going back and right. trying to do 8-bit music again cuz you know, it's now cool and hip. Right. So, Even the yeah. 8-bit games, they're like, make an app. You know, it just looks all shitty. And um, I know I try to show my son. I'm like, yo, this is what I used to play on. <laughs> a little yeah. joystick, Atari. <laughs> it's like back in the day. Um, yeah. And so when you say like you're a quote unquote futurist, what, what does that mean to you exactly? Um, what I tell people, honestly, is I don't give a shit about what's now. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we get complacent in this world that we live in, in devices. Like, oh, I got the new iPhone or the new Android phone or the new tablet or the new this. I'm cool. Yeah. What do I, everybody's doing that. I'm trying to figure out what's next. My company's called Innovate Next. I want to yeah. know what's coming next. I want to help create that future because if we get complacent, then everything kind of slows down. And it actually has slowed down. We should be way further than we actually are in technology, but in the capitalist society that we live in, and I'm not into the whole political thing or whatever, I could give a crap, but I understand if you make something that people buy, you're not going to kill your own technology to create something new. You're going to kind of incrementally sell it until people get tired of it and then release something you know better or more powerful. And I understand that you want to make your money as a company, but right. if you go to you know some of these other countries, since I, I'm blessed enough to be able to travel a lot as a DJ, yeah. you know you go to some other country sometime and you're like, we don't have that. Like, why? How come everybody? Like, I went to Sweden. Like, everybody right. in Sweden got free internet. Like, what? What happened? Like, where are we at? You know what I mean? Like, stuff right. like that. And and it's just little things that we need to accelerate. And it takes these small companies, these startup companies, that disrupt to make bigger companies kind of go, oh, oh, we need to catch up. Right. That's true. Yeah. Because in a way, if a company somewhat invested in everyone having free internet, they might get way more business down the line anyway. There you go. There you go. And I even, um, in parallel, look at DJs the same way. Yeah. When we first started DJing back in the day, I sound like an old dude, even though I am. It's like, man, we should have to walk uphill both ways with crates of records just to get to the DJ, you know. But um, it's one of those things where when scratching first happened, everybody started doing the same scratches. Everybody started doing the same mixes. 
Yeah. And then somebody broke out the box and came up with some new trick. Everybody's yeah. like, oh, I got to catch up. And then you catch up. And then, you know, it just kind of builds from there. And even when we get to the day, you've got all the scratch, amazing scratch DJs out there. And then there's always somebody who comes up with something else. And then everybody goes, oh, I got to catch up. And, you know, it's all about innovation, man. It's got to, everything's got to push forward. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's even nowadays, like because before there was DJs would have to sort of be friends with someone to learn a scratch or watch a VHS tape, maybe that someone had from a battle. But now we have YouTube and we can all, you know, learn from each other. But in this in the same way, everybody starts copying each other and it's the same thing over and over. And it does take those innovative people to like break the mold and be like, watch this. You never thought you could do this, did you? Right. Oh shit! All right, I'm on this. I'm gonna try to do that, and you know, hopefully, it pushes, inspires people to do new things, and pushes people to do stuff. Right there, you go. Um, and uh, you're, you know, I think combining the music with the tech stuff, your music has always had like that futuristic sound. You know, I think even in the '80s, like you know, you're like just for example, NWA, Panic Zone. I mean, or, you know, massive hit for you, JJ Fad, Supersonic. Like, that sound back then sounded futuristic, but also now, in a way, does. You know, even how EDM is so big, you can, like, connect it from the beginnings of electronic music into hip-hop all the way through to now in Vegas clubs having, you know, sounds like that and probably borrowing some of the same sounds, you know. Um what were some of the music groups that influenced you to have that sound in the beginning? I mean, I have an idea, but I'd love to hear you talk about it. So um, it's crazy. When I was a little kid, I always joke about this. My mom actually yeah. sent me to um, counseling and a psychiatrist because she thought something was wrong with me. Because I would just sit in my room and listen to Parliament Funkadelic in the dark. And <laughs> and talk about, like, I was listening to the 70s Parliament Funkadelic, like early 70s Parliament yeah. Funkadelic. Right. Like maggot brain and you know, uh, freaking all the like early cosmic slop, not not you know, knee deep and aqua boogie and all that stuff, which everybody knows, just the early yeah. stuff, right. psychedelic stuff. So, I was in the apartment, funkadelic. Um, craft work is what started that whole hip hop movement. I tell everybody, craft work doesn't get enough due as the start of hip hop. These German right. dudes created. As a matter of fact, I, before I turned my gaming computer off, I was actually recreating the first song that influenced hip-hop, which was Trans Europe Express, which ended up being Planet Rock. Yep. And Trans Europe Express wasn't even really a big hit for Kraftwerk. You know, it was one of their early songs, but yeah. because of Planet Rock and that melody, that blew it up. But most people who listen to Planet Rock don't even know where it came from. You know, yeah, right. and that yeah. influenced the East Coast and the West Coast hip hop scene and the pop locking and the breaking and all that kind of stuff. So it was for me, like I said, Farm and Funkadelic, Kraftwerk, and Prince. That was it. Those three right there. And Funk in general, you know. Funk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I you can hear that in your production and in your songs, like just right away, you know, when you say those three things. Yeah. And yeah, Kraftwerk, I mean, with their just the use of the drum machines, the synthesizers the way they had just their hi-hats and drum programming, it was like made for breakdancing and all that stuff to come out of it. It was so, so something so funky about such like a rigid keyboard, you know, or like drum machine. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. 
And then now, like with EDM and or whatever you want to call it, dance music, like I still feel like there's a huge connection to that. Um, do you are you into any of that stuff at all, or have you made? Yeah, any- man, I love you know. For me, I love all kinds of music, and and I get I'm blessed enough to be able to play at some of these EDM festivals around the world in right. Europe. Um, they'll bring me in because of my backgrounds and the whole what we call electro funk you know they bring us yeah. in and it kind of fits right into what's you know going on out there now and i'm also you know um producing a lot of new songs for edm stuff as well so you know i ghost write on a few things here and there yeah dope so no one even knows yeah <laughs> but they're hearing you paid, in the background give me a check. <laughs> exactly who cares about being famous just give me yeah. the, give me the check <laughs> yeah give me the check Everyone wants to be like in the spotlight, but it's like they don't realize you could be working, doing all types of stuff behind the scenes as well. No, you know, and and that's why, like I said, a lot of people might be like, who's this Arabian Prince? Be like, I didn't know he was an NWA. Like they see the album cover every day. I'm right there, but they don't know it was me because I really never was that guy who cared about the fame side. Right. You know, my first one of my first songs was called Innovator. I just want to create and walk down the street and go to the grocery store and play golf and play basketball at the Y and, you know, just chill. And I, I've never liked that thing. I, I don't want to be Dre or Cube or, you know, any of the big stars out there because I, I don't want that lifestyle. I don't, you can't walk down the street. You can't right. go nowhere, man. You know, nobody yeah. care about me. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And as a DJ, I think that, I mean, honestly, that, that plays into what's happening right now for DJs with, like we're being pushed into this live streaming world and not everybody's used to being able, like talking to a screen and talking to everyone and hosting the virtual night. Like, yo, how y'all feeling? I'm putting together, I'm using OBS and all these programs and trying to be an yeah. engineer while also trying to be creative and, and utilize my DJ skills, you know? So I think that, um, that's something, there's something about DJs that has that introverted side, but then we're forced to like, have to be extroverts, you know, and figure yeah, out it's ways a switch. to be out there. You know, you, you turn the switch on on stage. I've always been able to go on stage and as soon as you see that crowd, you're like, and it's hard to turn it yeah. on. Like me and you are one and one. I'm looking at you. But right. It's hard to just look at a camera and there's no one out there. I and know. Given that excitement and giving that knowledge and information. I mean, you know, I, I'm even, I should do it more. People are trying to get me to do radio shows. People are trying to get me to do podcasts and blogs and you know unboxings and all these things because i am this tech guy and right i want to do it but i'm not that braggadocious dude that can just get up every morning and turn it on and go like look at me look what i'm doing yeah that's that's the hard part i think and we feed off the energy you know so i've seen like stand-up comics trying to do like these sets but then it's like the silence after they say the joke and it's like okay i i respect it and it's dope and it's funny and i'm laughing at home but i don't know it must be weird for them same with the dj like you're like put a one in the comments you know that's our only way of getting i mean that's why i like the zoom parties what do you think about that have you seen people doing that yeah those are cool matter of fact i've been you know on a few and watched some stuff and and it's cool i think that the technology is getting to that especially what's happening with you know covid and any other new virus that might pop up in the future, yeah. we're going to have to start um, spending money in this kind of infrastructure. Because if you right. think about it, man, our internet ain't even up to par for this. It can't handle what's going on right now, you know. And we got to get to the point to where we are going to be a virtual civilization. Because there's going to be times when you can't travel, and there's going to be times when you can't go to events, but you want to be still part of that crowd. 
Yeah. So somebody needs to is going to eventually. Um, I think the closest thing I can say right now is kind of like Fortnite, what they're doing in Fortnite, what they did <laughs> with Marshmallow, and what they just did with um, uh, uh, Travis, Travis Scott, Travis yeah. Park. Yeah, yeah, Travis Scott. I get them mixed up as well. Yeah. <laughs> Both dope, dope Travises. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, and this, this is almost like a world that people talked about for the past 20 years or however many years of like, we're all going to be virtual and this and that. But this forced us into it. It was like, okay, whether you're ready or not, let's go. And then it's like programs like Zoom are like, well, we're kind of ready. It doesn't look that good or sound that good, but you can sort of use it. And then people are like, my internet's not ready. Like I had to buy this hundred foot ethernet cable, you know, to run across my house just to be able to do these kind of interviews, you know, and, um, and now all these DJ group chats and chat rooms are just about like, how do you do OBS and plug in this wire, you know, and it's like a whole different skill set that we're all trying to develop. Oh yeah, definitely. But they definitely need to up. I I think this is like you said, people are going to invest in things. Even I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this green screen. I want to put this, I want to be ready for anything. If someone wants to hire me for a corporate gig or have me do a zoom party or anything, I want to be ready to go. So I feel like other DJs, if that's their world, that's what they should do too. Yeah. And it's going to get there. And the only, only downside to it, I would say, and I'm really passionate about this. I do a lot of stuff in the inner city and the communities is a lot of the poor people in the inner cities don't have access to this stuff. They don't have access to internet or technology. And we, yeah. we, we take it for granted. Those who have like, exactly. Oh, you should go home. Like even when schools were out, like, Oh yeah, we're just going to have homeschooling and everybody's going to hop on the internet. But right. in the inner cities, most of the kids didn't have a computer, don't have internet. So they're just kind of left out. So we got to get to the point to where this becomes cheap enough for everybody to just have it and be a part. Of yeah. It. I think that's an important thing that almost nobody talks about right now. Like, Cause everyone's like, Oh, homeschooling or work from home or just be good, stay home. But like, it's not as easy for everyone and not everyone has the resources. Not everyone has iPads or even computers that are good enough to do zoom learning or any of that. You know what I mean? And people are like, Oh, it's easy. Just sit home and watch Netflix. Like, yo, a lot of people don't have Netflix or the, or the internet and all that, you know? So I think there is this sense of entitlement or even ignorance to the fact of like that other people don't have what they have, you know, and that we do, I think that isn't, um, like an underserved place that we need to help as DJs, musicians, and just human beings, like sort of help that world elevate as well, you know, because those people I'm sure have a lot to contribute then to gaming, music, everything, but they're not, they don't even have the opportunity to do it, you know? Yeah. And I think also too, one of the biggest problems we have in our society is some people act like they're not part of the collective. Like we're all in this together, yes. no matter what you say or what you're not like, I'm not sick. I don't have COVID. This doesn't right. happen in my neighborhood, but yeah, walk your little punk ass over there and somebody you don't know who's got it gives it to you. And then now you got it and you take it back to your neighborhood yeah. and then you slow down the process. So, you know, it's one of them crazy things, man, that, you know, being at home does help, but we got to get to the point that next time this happens, everybody's ready for it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everybody can thrive more through this yeah. time and, uh, yeah. and remain connected and, and yeah, but I mean, I, I think it sparked a lot of crazy ideas and I want to get more into those zoom parties and like try to throw one, you know, see, see how it goes. Yeah, Are, are you guys going to throw one? I mean, we've been doing, I did a live 
you know, Twitch has been the big learning process for me and I think a lot of other DJs. Um, so we beat source has done a Twitch stream. I've been doing my own Twitch streams, Instagram streams, just kind of figuring it all out. But, um, I have not done a zoom party yet, but I've, I've worked with people that have been doing it and seen, seen it from the outside. So I'm learning. Nice. Nice. I yeah. definitely want to do it. I think it'd be dope. Cool place, more of a private environment to invite people. So it's not just like you're broadcasting to like a black hole of who knows who's watching, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. It's coming. As a, so as a DJ, um, who are some, are there any DJs that influenced you when you were coming up? Like on that side of things? Well, see, you forget how old I am. Well, I do. I know how old you are. Because <laughs> this is a funny thing. People ask that, and you look back and like, well, we started DJing. Honestly, the only DJs that were before us were disco. I know disco that. That's DJ. why I'm asking. Were there even yeah, anybody? Nah, you know what I mean? Well, like, you know what? Like, I, my father used to have a radio show at okay. KH Radio. All right. And he had a talk show. He wasn't a music guy. Right. But it was on Sunday. So on Sundays, I would go up to K.A.'s and sit in the control room opposite where he was doing his talk show. And I was in the control room with all the records. And back then, it was carts. You remember, they had a little bit like yep. eight tracks. And you yeah, would put I used the to cart do radio. In. We had to do the cart in the thing. And yeah. 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 So I used to, at like 12, 13 years old, I would make mixtapes and take them to school and sell them for lunch money. Oh, and um, that's how I got in. And I got to see some of the DJs on the air back then. I can't even remember any of the names. But uh, right. those were my kind of early influencers. And then um, I would have to say, in when I was in just about to get, like maybe 10th, 11th grade, that's when the West Coast DJ battles had started with Z-Cars, the World Class Wrecking Crew, Uncle Jam's Army, you know what I mean? Um yeah. All those different crews, and even there were some Hispanic ones like Optica and Ultimate Sounds and all of these cats popping up, and I would go to these dances, and they influenced me, and that's how me and my boy Egyptian Lover ended up hooking up and doing a lot of great things together. But that was the influences, being able to go to you know, um, uh, a convention center and see like 10,000 people dancing to just right. DJs, even before there were festivals, you know. That's yeah. amazing. So wait, where was it? Like what? It was at like the L.A. Convention Center or something? Yeah. So how it started out is Uncle Jam's Army and and, and Z-Cars, they used to all battle each other and, and the Wrecking Crew Lonzo, even before Dr. Dre. It was, uh, matter of fact, my boy, Unknown DJ and Lonzo and even uh, Roger from Uncle Jam's Army. They all used to be doing something else before they all broke up. Oh. But they used to do like the Veterans Auditorium in Culver City. They would do smaller stuff. You know, they had this place called Maverick Flat. They had the yeah. Casa in downtown LA. You know, it'd be like a thousand people, 1,500 people. And then they started making a little more money and started doing a little bigger stuff. And then they would do the LA Convention Center. And then they made a little more money. And then it was the LA Sports Arena. And that's where you had like 10,000 people at the sports arena, just DJs, nobody performing. And it was like off the chain with like 100 speakers. So those were the the things that were popping up in like the early eighties that I wish there was a lot more video of that. Cause that's a lost time that 
It really is. Yeah, because I mean, I grew up here and I've been DJing for a long time and I've tried to study the history and watch as much stuff as I could. I've never seen any videos. I don't think. Yeah, there's a few out there, but it seems like the people who have them are kind of very like this and they don't want them to get out there. I'm like, man, you're going to die soon. You need to let people see that. Yeah, exactly. That's history. You got to spread because people don't even know that. They think EDM festivals or something are like the first time something like that has happened. But ah, we, there we was were doing huge. that, man. That the convention center, the Long Beach, Long Beach uh, convention center, all over, man. Wow. We brought Riverside. We would kill it, you know. San Bernardino. Yeah, just travel around with this DJ thing, man. It and so, what? Fun. What was a DJ battle at that time? Was it just like, yo, we're gonna play our custom music or like you know like it wasn't the same dj battles that we have right now like right red bull so, three style or something yeah so the dj battles back then it was crazy there were two types there was just the regular battles where you had the dj scratch and they were djing against each other yeah. and then you had these things that they would always have them at florentine gardens in hollywood i never forget this because i used to be part of this crew called ultimate sounds and we would bring like 50 speakers and set up on this side of the room and then this other crew named Optica, I never forget them because them fools was crazy. They come with like 50 speakers and they set up on that side. And then, you know, everybody be playing and all of a sudden dance. And I said, and all of a sudden you hear an announcement. You're now listening to the sounds of Optica. And then they turn their lights on and play a bunch of music. And then they shut down and we turn our shit on and be like, now nah, you're listening to ultimate sounds. And you battle back and forth. And when nobody never won no money, but it was just kind of a dope thing that you got to hear two different sounds, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, super dope. Almost like how Jamaican Sound Clash stuff was yeah, going, you know? Exactly. Almost exactly. like that mixed with the beginnings of hip hop and the electro funk and that kind of, I guess, whatever else you guys were mixing in. Was it, were you playing other kinds of music or was it very like hip hop, electro funk based? Well, when we first started DJing, there was no electro funk because we became right. electro funk. Yeah, you, invent, made you guys invented so, it basically. Yeah, I was telling people that we were playing Top 40. Top 40 back then was, you know, the the, the funk, the pop. Like, we were playing, like, Madonna and Rick James and Michael Jackson and Prince. And then that's during the time there was punk rock and new wave. So it was, like, ABC, Look of Love, um, the Patch Mode. You know, you'd be playing some, like, uh, what's my homegirl's name? Grace Jones. So it was, like, this mashup of music. And that's what DJs played back then. And then wow. hip-hop kind of trickled in, and it kind of changed the sound up a little bit. As hip-hop got bigger and electro-funk got bigger, bigger, we pushed away a lot of that pop, you know? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. That's so interesting. Like, And it, like how we said, it was very different from Red Bull 3 style, but in a way, it's exactly the same. It's the DNA of it. Like, That's what they want people to do in those, in those battles is play at least three different kinds of music all mixed together. Yeah. I think DJs got so used to being in their one genre or one thing they're known for, you know, and they're afraid to break out of it. But in reality, the true, the word DJ was someone that was playing everything and could rock all kinds of parties. Yeah, and I've never, um, to this day, done a DJ set, like sat at home and practiced or played a DJ set, because when it, I got went from the transition from vinyl to Serato and Tractor and, you know, Record Box and all of these things, Yeah, I always wanted to be fresh with the crowd. Like, I, I, I'm a, you know, music selector, you know, whatever. Yeah. I always like to just, okay, what what's the vibe? What are people grooving to? what's next and it keeps me excited as well it's like oh i'm always while i'm 
scrolling, scrolling. Oh yeah. Oh, I can go here. Oh, dude, I ain't played that. Oh, this. You know what I mean? Like it's just that thing. I and I, I'm not. I'm the same like all other DJs. I'm not really into taking requests, but every now and then somebody gonna come up to you and give you one. You may not be honest. You may not admit it. Somebody gonna say something. To you, hey man, you, you need to play that. And you be like, Nah, man, I don't take requests. But you be thinking in your head like, Damn, that's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that. I'm saying. That's why I tell people I'm like, I will listen to your request. I can't guarantee it, but yeah. like sometimes it's it helps me because also it's almost like taking a poll from the crowd like i like to know what they're saying and then if it is a good thing then i'll it'll spark something in my brain that'll lead to one thing then the next the next the next you know yeah and that's what happened somebody came up to me uh, a few months ago i was doing something in vegas and it's, it was like you know like an og old school g's had on like a had on some like pleated slacks is you know <laughs> like a three-piece suit with the pimp hat He's like, man, you got that O'Brien? I'm like, what? And you got that I'm freaky? I'm like, oh man, you went there? Dude, I got you. Like, because you said that? I'm matter of fact, this don't go with nothing else I'm playing tonight, but I'm playing it for you. And that started, like you said, it started tidal wave and a whole different, you know, thing of music for me that night. Yeah. I love that. And like you said, like I, I sometimes do like to plan my sets out or practice or try to have a routine, but I noticed that when I'm in a club or live setting, like it doesn't always give me the same excitement as I think it will. Or if I do it a few times in a row, like that, then when I just make a crate of like, yo, these are dope songs I want to play tonight. And then I start going through them and it almost like builds me up the same way it's building up the crowd. I'm getting hype. I'm like, Oh, that was crazy. I just mixed that. Oh, oh." and and I get more excited myself by freestyling it and like, sort of just DJing for me, then like, okay, I know what comes next. All right, I'm going to play two chains into this. Okay. You know, and right. it just, it's the crowd's going to go crazy. Cause I know the human psyche thing I'm doing, but it's not exciting me the same, you know? There so, you go. There yeah. You got to have that. And people will see that, you know, just like talking to the young DJs out there, like you could be all having the most perfect set, but if you're not having fun, then other people are not going to have fun. They're going to tune out. It's like awkward for them, you know? Yeah. And you want to take people on a journey. You want to take them somewhere where they haven't been. Yes. And people, if you're playing exactly the same thing that they're listening to in the car, if they're listening to on their phone, if they're listening to on the internet, that's cool. You got to throw those heaters in there. You always got to, but you want to take them on a journey. Why do people go to Disneyland and Magic Mountain? They want to go somewhere that, they don't get to go all the time. Why do they spend money to go to a concert? They want to see the people perform and play their hits, but they want to see them play their hits differently. They want to see them do something different because if not, they could just sit at home and listen to the same thing at home and not care. Yes. Yeah, I agree. That's what I'm saying. I say, even if you're in a mainstream spot, throw some left, you know, some left turns, some curveballs, some different things that are going to change it up. You know what I mean? The people are going to be more open than you think. And it's going to lead to like more positive, fun vibes. You know, no one wants to, no one's going to remember the same old thing. Even if you do something they don't like, they're going to remember that more than they remember just some basic ass thing. You know, it's like, it sounds good, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When you were making those mix in your, the mixes that you sold at school, like from your dad's um, spot, what kind of styles were you putting in there? Was it the same thing, like a mix of everything, Grace Jones, Madonna, this, that? Yeah, that, that's what was hot. Like, um, I was doing it in elementary school, so it was probably 77, 76, yeah. 77. So it was like that pop locky. you know, it was the old Barnum and Funkadelic and Rick James and Prince and, 
And you know, what was and believe it or not, people may not believe this, but that that Madonna and that early, early Depeche Mode, Look of Love, all that stuff was hot. The Human League, you know, that was during that time where it was all of that kind of just weird, um, what do they call it? Ska, yeah, new wave stuff, yep. Devo, you know, yeah, yeah, Boingo Boingo, all of that stuff was in during that time. I mean, there's so much funky, crazy shit all within all that music, you know, yeah, yeah. no matter what the genre. Um, what, um, so do you still DJ now or are you just really in the tech world? No, nah, man, I'm still DJing like okay, out there as much as I possibly can. And me and Egyptian Lover, we, we're probably the, I can almost say we're the only two West Coast DJs from that time period that are still out there really, really hitting it hard. Like we travel internationally, do a lot of shoot shows all over the world. I do a lot of stuff with Red Bull Music Academy, um, yeah, I'm always DJing in Vegas or, you know, whatever. I ain't going to ever turn down no corporate gigs because in corporate gigs, pay more money than everything else. Man, I did something for CES last year um, at, I think, Omnia in Caesars Palace. I was like, man, it was like fully packed with all these millionaire, you know, computer tech people. Yep. And uh, those are the best ones. You know? Oh, those are the best ones. I'm like thankful that we were still had this January that we had because I got to do so many corporate gigs before everything got shut down. So yeah. I'm like, all right, so keep me going until <laughs> yeah, we get buddy. back out there. But at the same time, I feel like with the corporate gigs, they're going to have to adjust to this world. I've already noticed it. You know, companies trying to still throw events and hire DJs and connect with their customers and connect with their employees and figure out ways to throw these, like we were saying, Zoom parties or whatever it is. Um, so I wonder how, if they're, how big the corporate gig world in this virtual world will be, you know? Um, I think it's still going to be big, man. Um, I was just on a South by Southwest um, podcast because we were supposed to do South by Southwest and they canceled that. And I was supposed yep. to do one of the keynotes. Yeah. And um, it's one of those things that just because we're on lockdown, Corporate companies who have brand identity, who have products that they need to sell, they still need to market those products and get that out there. So they still need the DJs and the performers and the actors and the entertainers that are going to go out there and push their product and the influencers. They need that. Yep. The money yep. is still there for that. It's just going to pivot instead of going into the arenas and going into the big events that people physically go to. It's going to go more to the guy or the company that's set up for virtual to be able to broadcast it out to all of their clients now and get them in tune to what they're trying to sell. Right. It's almost like smart to just create your own TV network based around your brand. You know, hey, it's a new hustle, man. It's this new way to, I tell people, everybody's complaining about they're not making money. Okay. Well, you know, you're not making money right now. Now's the time to hustle and figure out the new way to make money so that when this is over, if your thing comes back, then cool, you can go back to doing that. But guess what? You learned something new. Now you can make money both ways. And you can exactly. grow yourself so that, you know, if it happens again, you've got something to fall back on. Exactly. Lean into it because you don't know if this will be a skill you'll have to use in the future. Like you said, if this happens again or something you can continue doing after this. Like even how I think a lot of the it seems like a lot of the people watching some of the um, live streams of DJs are older who and they probably never would have gone out before the quarantine anyway they weren't going out maybe they were there already to consume the the music and the djing and we didn't even know you know like there's a whole world 
that's been ready and now we're like here so yeah, yeah. i think it's important yeah and and on top of that most of them most people probably haven't spent this much time on the internet in their whole life <laughs> I know. you know what i mean like yeah. It's like I got people calling me like, man, I know there's some DJ party. How do I find them? I'm like, just take your ass on the internet and look. <laughs> you know, like they're all over the place. And no. it's kind of sad that not, I heard that you guys, I'm trying to give you guys a, sh- a shameless push right now. I hear you guys are launching a new streaming platform. Um, yes. Coming up. And yeah, yeah, yeah. We launched it actually today. Today's Monday, but this uh, podcast will be coming out probably Wednesday or Thursday. And so by the time you guys are listening, um, beat. Uh, beat source link which is phase two of their rollout will be out and it's the streaming basically the ability to dj from the cloud but it's way crazier because you can download the songs in a locker for offline mode and there's things that haven't been available till today when they launch so yeah go check that out everybody beat source link yeah um, and that's that's, yeah. that's the point is you know creativity is now going to start to come out of people in different ways. Yes, exactly. Like, I think this will spark a lot. And I've seen a lot of frustration for people, but hopefully that blooms into creativity and inspiration and, you know, stuff like that. And if, and if you're not into something and you don't want to do it, maybe like find someone that is into it that you could work with and then eventually split the profits with or hire them to do it. And then if you pay them while they're in their, you know, not working right now and they help you get your shit together, then your shit starts making money. You know, it's all investments. We're all helping each other. So yeah. there's people yeah. out there that could help you if you don't want to do the OBS engineering or all that stuff. Create your overlays and learn all this new stuff. Just hire someone that's been doing it, you yeah. know, and support yeah. them. And then hopefully you'll be getting people to support you. Um, you go. Yo, um, so like... I was, you know, back to the DJ thing, um, were they, like, when you were getting your first, I guess, doing those sound, I mean, I, we some, we somewhat answered some of this, but I was going to say that when you, we were doing those, you were doing those DJ battles, sound clashes, or even gigs, did you have any songs that you were, like, super excited to play for the crowd, like, either that you made or, like, I don't know, just as a DJ, I know when I was first starting out, I was like, oh, I was very into like drum and bass and different stuff. I was like, I want to play this for people and like introduce them to that. Or was it more yeah. like rock the crowd with the dope Madonna songs? Or um, I was always the guy that tried to find stuff that people didn't know. Right. The That's B-side. Like. You know, yeah. I was a B-side guy. I would go and dig and find that groove on an album that wasn't being played yet, but I figured it might be a, a hit later on. Or there were like loops or beats within a song that you could play. Like one of the, um, I think it was the the cr- the Crash Crew. It was uh-huh. Crash Crew, and Uncle Jam's Army used to play one of their songs, and I can't remember the name offhand. But they wouldn't play the vocal; they would play the instrumental. The instrumental sounded different than the vocal. And if you just played this one part of the break in the instrumental over and over, it was dope as hell. The rest of the songs, like, eh, all right. But that's right. what I would do. I would try to find these little breaks in songs and just play those and and that, you know, and introduce people to music. And, you know, we were into, like, playing records backwards back in the day. Like, you know, we would catch it and, you know, just kind of spin the record back and keep it on beat and, you know, do all kind of crazy stuff like that. So That's super dope. Uh, and how did you end up in NWA, like, and working with those guys and being on the first album and all that? 
that was that was crazy. So the brief history of how that happened was we all grew up in Compton and I was, you know, up and coming DJ doing school dances and stuff. Dr. Dre was doing the same thing in Yella. And we used to all do the same um, roller skating race. We used to do um, the Skateland USA in Compton and we would do um, World on Wheels over in Mid City. Yep. And we all became friends. And then we would just hang out and, you know, do a lot of events together in Uncle Jam's Army and, you know, yeah. World Class Rick and Cruise, the Valley together. And I was friends with all of them. Right. But they all had crews and I didn't have a crew at the time. It was just me. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I want a crew. <laughs> I had one a, man, one man crew. <laughs> dude in the hood who had his own little community center. And I started a club called The Cave in Lenox, which is right next to Hawthorne. Yeah. And um, it became pretty big. It was like the big team club. And every Saturday and something, Friday and Saturday, man, we'd pack them in there. And all the big DJs would come to my little club. And then we all became friends and started doing this and doing that. And then I remember I was with uh, Egypt. He had just got a 808 drum machine. Now I was at his house and he was showing me the drum machine. He said, yeah, man, we about to make a record. What? <laughs> Y'all gonna make a record? Like, Damn, all right. And then I was with Dre and Yella and Lonzo over at their spot. And he's like, man, we about to make a record. I'm like, what? Y'all about to make a what? Everybody making records now. I'm like, y'all going from DJ to records. I'm like, well, I ain't got no crew. I want to make a record. I would make my own record. So we all made records. And then make a long story short, we all started touring together, hanging out. And then, you know, LA Dream Team and all of that kind of stuff. All of us yeah. used to go tour together. And, you know, it got to the point where we were young DJs who were making hit records. But we weren't really getting the royalties that we should have. Because we didn't understand writers or publishing or all of those kind of things. And we were yeah. touring and making a little money. But we weren't really doing what we were supposed to. So um, I remember me and Dre used to roll to the um, to the beach a lot and just hang out, and chase women, and we'd talk about it, man. Said, we got to do more, man. We got all these hits on the radio, but I got an R7 with no back window, and we ain't got no money. So he had bumped into Easy E at the swap meet, yeah, um, through a guy named Steve Yano who had the Rhodium. Uh, I forget what his um, record store was called, but. Um, yeah, man. And next thing was history. Met Easy, and Easy's like, dude, I got a little bit of money. And he didn't know none of our music at all, but right. he just wanted to get out of being the neighborhood pharmaceutical technician yes. and do something <laughs> else. And we all got together, man, and the rest was history on that. Yeah, that's amazing. That's that's classic, obviously. And then, um, yeah, I mean, that album has just so many amazing tracks, and that Panic Zone really, I think, set it off for um you creating that sound right i mean yeah well you know i'll tell you this like because it's funny some people hate that song because the people who are just hardcore gangster heads right. don't understand why panic zone was on there and they don't understand why something to dance to was on the other one and they don't understand why we did radio for easy e and i tell people is you gotta understand is back then gangster rap was new and wasn't really accepted on the radio yeah. So how do you promote an album with a bunch of motherfuckers all over it? You know what I mean? Like, how yeah. do you promote that? You right. got to put a radio song out. So because we were all, it was almost like a super group because we all had hits yeah. before NWA in the electro funk world, right? Yep. Uh -huh. So you drop an electro funk cut on a on a gangster album, everybody gonna go rush to it, and then they experience the new sound, and now you got. It. 
and that's yeah. why we did it. Yeah, well, that's that's super dope. And then from there, I know you did so many things, and then eventually, uh, down the line, you put an album out on Stone's Throw Records, right? Yeah, they. Um, it was so funny. I didn't even know who the hell Peanut Butter Wolf was. Somebody's <laughs> like, "Man, this dude Peanut Butter Wolf want to talk to you." I'm like, "Who?" You're like, "What?" The hell is that? Like, I knew who Mad Lib was, you know, right. and I knew about Quasimodo and that whole yeah. thing, but I didn't know the label that that stuff was on. I said, no, he owns Stone's Throw. Like, oh, yeah, I know about that label. So we met one day, and he was like, dude, I want to put out your greatest hits. I'm like, why? <laughs> what do you want to put my music out for? And uh, he's like, man, I really like your stuff, and I think, you know, you can do something. So we dropped my greatest hits on uh, Stone's Throw. Yeah, it's dope. Yeah, I mean, he that's his specialty, right, is just finding either old stuff to re-put out and reintroduce to people that didn't get as much shine as it should have or yeah. find new super avant-garde or eclectic crazy stuff to put out or just really dope hip-hop, you know, Yeah, Mad he's a Lib genius. Kind of. I mean, uh, he, don't, he, don't, he doesn't get enough credit. I mean, uh, Wolf does not get enough credit because he's got an ear yeah. and he knows what's hot and knows what's good. Like, it's like just because it didn't sell 100 million copies doesn't mean that this song ain't dope. You know, he wants yep. to get doctors to pack to the people and to the masses. Yeah, totally. Yeah, his his record collection is unreal. It's oh yeah, like crazy. Insane. Have you been down to the to his yeah. spot yet? Yeah, the Gold Line. Yeah, yeah. He has a spot in Highland Park for everyone not from LA called the Gold Line, and it is one of the dopest bars. I mean, he has oh, yeah. his entire record. I don't know if it's his entire, but a huge section of his record collection is the whole bar. I mean, everywhere from behind the bar to the walls to everywhere, you can pull the records out and even see them and look at them. And then yeah. the DJ there is only allowed to DJ from the record collection behind him from yes. peanut butter wolf's records. And then like, they'll play the record, put up the one record with the artwork in front of them. So you could see what they're playing. I mean, it, it's a, uh, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. It's dope. Yeah. Super dope. Um, actually, just shout to my my younger brother is on Stone's Throw now too, Jerry oh, Paper. Nice. Yeah, what's his name? Uh, Jerry Paper. Okay. People want to peep him. Definitely has his own sound, like you said. And Peanut Butter Wolf. Is oh a yeah. Huge like I got to work when I was over there, man. I got to work with like James Pants and yes. all those cats. You know what I mean? It's like, man, it was amazing. I know. Yeah, I got twelve inches from James Pants. I mean, I I used to buy all the Stone Throw twelve inches, no matter what was coming out. You know, it was like yeah. DJ Premier, a anything in that world. You know, yeah. like in the hip hop world, I had certain things I had to get all of it. So Stone's Throw, Premier, different things like that. Um, so with your DJing, um, we discussed it a little earlier, but are you doing any live stream stuff? Have you done anything? No, nah, I haven't, man. And everybody's trying to get me to do it. But, <laughs> you know, it, I've noticed that a lot of people have been getting shut down because that's just what it is because you're not yeah. licensed or you're proud. And which I think sucks, man. During this time, they should just relax all of that and just say, you know what? People just trying to get, get by. <laughs> people need entertainment. Yeah. Let I them know. have it. You know, like some of my friends have been able to get through a whole set before they get shut down. If you're a big name DJ, you have no problems anyway. But, right. you know, um, I've been trying to figure out another way to do it instead of just going up and just doing that um i got something in the works that i'm about to put on okay. social and, ah, can't and wait maybe it'll start a little bit of a trend all right stay tuned everybody yeah. but how about like so i've been getting super into twitch and learning how it's this own community of gamers and own language and emotes and bits and all this crazy stuff 
And I feel like DJs are now starting to like um, infiltrate the platform in a way and music yeah. makers. Um, do you think that the two can coexist together or there's a way to even collaborate? Like, will there be people playing video games live with the DJ actually spinning behind them streaming? I, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I, somebody probably has done it. We just don't know. But <laughs> right. I mean, just, just like I said, just with the Travis Scott and the marshmallow and all this stuff in Fortnite, it's already music and, and gaming has already done this. Yeah. And even from like the Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk days where that was like our Spotify. We were like, oh, yeah, what's, yeah. what's coming out? Oh, it's on Tony Hawk. Now it's ingrained in my head forever. You know? Yeah. And you know what? Like I said, when I always say we're behind, if you've ever seen, like, if I say the word, you know, like Dota or LOL or League of Legends, you know, to you, you may know if, you, if you're into gaming, but most people who or even in the gaming who don't know those games, those are the biggest video games on planet Earth. Yeah. And if you see their championships and like, one ahead in Korea, it was like a hundred thousand people at the stadium. I saw watching it. people battle. Crazy, but it was a concert. You saw the concert. It was like yeah, they had uh, the glitch mob and all these people yeah. performing. It was nuts. So it's already done that. I think the music industry is late to the party. The yes. gamers got it. They're like, well, we want music with gaming, and right. now the musicians are starting to see that, and the athletes you're starting to see the athletes and. You know, playing video games and music and yeah. doing all of the stuff on TikTok now. So yeah, it's right. Big. And the workout space, I feel like, has been so uh, oh, okay. You got to come to my gym, but now people are realizing, oh shit, we could do this online somehow. You know what I mean? From the pelotons to the classes being offered. And where's then my wait, where's my receipt, dude? I just I just spent over two thousand dollars on. I didn't buy the peloton, and this is this is another unsolicited. Uh, whatever shout out i yeah i didn't buy the peloton i bought the nordic track bike and oh, okay. the reason i bought that bike over the peloton was one i did all my research it it automatically does the incline and decline and it automatically changes your resistance so oh. that's one of the reasons and you don't have to buy freaking bike shoes like i'm like wait a minute, I, if i buy a peloton i gotta buy more stuff just to ride it yeah you have to buy some crazy shoes to yeah. really fit in there yeah, and I like nah, so I bought the other one, but I've been over here working my ass off every day so I don't get fat. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's been trying to figure out how to do it, you know, inside workouts. And then but but it's funny because a lot of people been hitting me like, yo, um, you know, do you have any workout playlists or what's the best thing to listen to for working out? And I'm like, damn, I guess there's a big need for that still, you know, or No, or, it is. Actually, um my song Supersonic with JJ Fad, he yeah, got hit up late last year i believe it was and they put our song on like the weight watchers freaking cd <laughs> so i'm like what we're on the weight watchers thing now so yeah <laughs> that's great i think that's a huge opportunity though for djs and for everybody like that hasn't even been explored that far yet is come co like collaborating with the workout community in a way you know yeah. whether it's djing or music or even live bands or or this live streaming you know there's a lot of industries that where we could all come together right now and you know change things make money do different stuff that i think people haven't even thought about or just starting to think about oh yeah most definitely man it, it's, it's time like even my little room like we talked about earlier i'm i 3d print i make yeah. freaking stickers i dj i've got my studio here i'm working on so many different things at once that's why when they tell me i gotta stay in the house for two three months i'm like no 
I'm yeah. good. I got I know. stuff to do. You're like, I've been waiting for this. Like yeah, now, finally, no one's gonna invite to me to like a lunch. I could just work on all this stuff forever. Yeah. What? How are you making stickers? Um. So that machine right there. Yeah. That's called a, a cry cut. It's a vinyl cutter. So, um, you can make stickers with any vinyl cutter, and you you know you plug it in compute to your computer, and you do design. And what it does is it cuts out the sticky vinyl yeah. and you can peel it off. And then if you want to with something with colors or like I just my homeboy, I don't know if you remember uh Unknown DJ. He was uh from yeah. back in the day he had some hits and stuff yeah. like that. He also he owned Techno Hot Records and Techno Cut Records and uh okay. he did uh matter of fact uh, not above the law but uh Compass Wanted was on this label. Yep. And uh I just made his stickers. I just oh, wow. with, let me see if I can get it without it. There you go. Yeah, looks dope. Yeah, I did some unknown DJ stickers for him. But yeah, I just do it as, as like kind of a hobby. And also because if I want something, I always look at like, all right, I'm going to pay $100 for some stickers to somebody else. Hmm, how do they do that? Okay. Yeah. Oh, it cost me $200 to get the machine? I'll pay the $200 and I can make as many stickers as I want. Yeah. And I speak at a lot of schools to kids. And this is something I'm always trying to like push to the younger generation is, Stop waiting to make money. Stop waiting to be creative because you have something that I never had growing up, and that's the internet. Like, you've got Google, you got YouTube. You can learn how to build a freaking rocket on YouTube. So yep. what are you waiting for? You can learn how to be a director, a producer, a music maker. All of this stuff is right there for you. Yep. Go do it now because most of the billionaires in the world never finish college any damn way. True. So... If you can figure it out now and make money, there's 14, 15-year-old millionaires walking around from video games and TikTok. Like, what are you waiting for? Go get busy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Take it into your own hands. Even in the mixtape days, I remember I was taking, once once the mix CDs became a thing, I was like, oh, they have that printer you can get. And I was printing every single cover as a sticker, sticking it on, burning the CD. I would stay up all night, all day, you know, go sell yeah. them at Workman's Outlet on Melrose and any way you could do it because i'm like what am i going to pay this company to ship me the cds and wrap them and i don't even need that i'm gonna go to staples buy these cases and just make it happen so yeah i mean yeah (laughs) cheers cheers um yeah yeah, i know so i think that's good advice to the kids out there don't wait make it happen don't don't be blaming it on oh i don't have this though or i need this equipment or you know there's and there's people out there that you can collab with if you just reach out you know yeah yeah, definitely. And I'm a, I'm a tech guy. Like I'm like this gadget guy. I got pretty much every freaking camera and, you know, thing or whatever it is, but you don't need yeah. it. You no. don't need it. There's, there's people out there that's got, they got one camera and they make it look freaking amazing, you know, and yeah. that's how you build up your fan base. That's how you build up to be able to make a lot of money. You start small yeah. and work your way up. And I always tell people, take people on that journey with you because people appreciate you more if they see you struggle. There's yep. one cat I follow on um, YouTube. Um, he calls himself uh, MKBHD. Um, okay. You know, black guy who does like unboxings and, you know, talks a lot about Apple products and different stuff like that. Yeah. I look back at his first freaking video when he was like, we like he was like 13, 14 years old. And he was like, okay, I want to show you guys my new MacBook. He <laughs> reviews his MacBook. Yeah, it was very simple, very cheesy, and now he's got freaking, I think, 11, 12 million followers. 
Wow. For nothing, you know. So that's my point. Is I appreciate people like that that you see that instead of somebody coming on with like full production, they first video and they all out there like boom, you know, like eh, this is all fake. Yeah, it's so true. People love the real. You, you could have every piece of equipment in the world, but pe- as long as you're real, people are gonna relate to that more, and they do want to see the journey of figuring it out. And it's just anything like this podcast, all of it, like each episode, all of it, we've had to figure out, okay, we got this equipment now. Oh, we finally got this. And you know, people want to, to see you do that. I wouldn't be insecure about, Oh, I don't have this, or I got the shitty mic or, and and like we were saying with the live streaming, people hit me like, Oh, what do I need? I need a Elgato capture card and a GoPro. And I'm like, you know what you need? A free program called OBS, a $15, app called OBS camera and your phone and turn it on and you're good and a yeah. free uh membership to Twitch or these things like you're good you're ready to go I could for $20 I could set you up to be as professional as anybody and then you can go from there try to make money buy things and learn but don't you know don't worry I wouldn't spend all your money in the beginning and and work so hard just dive into it with what you got Yeah cuz it may not work out for you and you might not even like it you know exactly. you spend all this money that's you know. that's very true too. Yeah. Um, so I like to save all my money for uh, SpongeBob, as you can see. I like. SpongeBob, I mean, so. I see that SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> the creators are living off your collection. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Are there any other streaming platforms since you're kind of so ahead of the curve? I know DJs are really jumping on Twitch right now. Yeah, they're looking into Mixcloud because I know mm-hmm. they're going to be the first sort of legal streaming area. Yeah. Um, I know that obviously there's Twitter, which has Periscope, there's YouTube, there's um, uh, There's Mixer, which is Microsoft version of um, Mixer is M-I-X-R, just M-I-X-R is Microsoft's version of Twitch. So that's that's who got, um, um, uh, what's his name, Ninja, Ninja left Twitch for Mixer. Yes. Oh, okay. And does Mixer have music people as well going on there? Yeah, they both do. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, so that's another one DJs could look into if they're not feeling Twitch. Uh, are there yeah. any other being, ones you think? Um, those are the like the major ones out there. Um, there's a bunch of startups popping up right now. Matter of fact, because I, you know, I do um, investing in tech startups and stuff. So a lot of startups have been reaching out to me. And there's there's a lot of them coming, man. Like yeah. everybody's on the bandwagon right now. Right, they're all trying different. Um, angles of the same thing like i've seen like stage it and then you can like get people to buy tickets to your show and then facebook's trying to implement that and yeah everyone's trying to find that angle of like who's gonna latch on to this or be willing to pay for this or at least put their eyeballs on that or something yeah but one thing i'll say if i don't give any other advice to um our musician dj influencer you know people out there is this don't get caught up in all of that, right? Yeah. Find what's best for you and do it. But ultimately, this right here, you directly with your fans is how you make your money. That's why, like you said, all the free stuff that's still out there, the Twitch and the Facebook and the Instagram and the YouTube, all of that stuff is free. All you got to do is build your brand and you can make the money directly. I teach music business classes um, at Point Point Music Academy and at USC or UCLA, I'll pop in and, you know, sub for some of the music uh, professors. And yeah. that's what I tell everybody in the class. Like, what are you waiting for? Yeah. Like, it's there. Go make money. Right. 
you know. And then now, especially with that texting technology where you can sort of make a number where people could text you. And so you could take all your platforms and sort of broadcast to everyone, six of them at the same time, and yeah. then put your phone number. And then they really will hit you directly. And then you'll have a direct line to either email or text and be able to say, oh, I know I met you on YouTube, but you should peep my Twitch or this or that, yeah. or, or go peep my merch or this, you know, support my band camp. And yeah. <laughs> Because it's starting to be a lot. You know what I mean? It's it's like the streaming service. It's like trying to, um, what do I watch that show on? Oh, Netflix? No, it's on Amazon Prime. Oh, no, it's on uh, Hulu. Oh, okay. I do the same thing, you trying know. to find something. Yeah. So it's, I think, it's yeah, confusing. You no, know, I'm just saying it's confusing. You don't know what to watch it on. So it's starting to be the same thing to be a, a quote unquote brand or a DJ or whatever you want to put out there. You're like, Oh well, watch me on my Twitch and my tw and read my tweets and look at my pictures on Instagram and so we need this. I've been noticing people have been using their phone number as the main way to connect it, and I think it, that could be smart. Well, I, like I said, I think the future is going to be very simple. Right now, it's very convoluted. You know, yeah. with more tech companies, more apps, more this, more that, more websites. Just like you said, it's going to be you type in what you want. And you just go see that. And yeah. it's not on a platform. It's just in the cloud. Yes. And it'll just be sitting there. I need to see, you know, Men in Black 4 or whatever, you know, 5. Yeah. It's in the cloud. It, I don't need to have Netflix or Hulu or whatever. Boom. I can go get it. And you just subscribe. It's like Big Brother. You just subscribe to the cloud. <laughs> I know. A lot of people are going to be against that. but <laughs> yeah. And you know what's funny? Oh, I got some of now. All of the freaking conspiracy theorists out there I, yeah. you know we see all this stuff on social it's driving oh my crazy. god it's crazy, like, oh, crazy. Uh, bill gates bill gates wants everybody to have a chip in their brain guess Yo. what sir you already got a goddamn chip you got a phone in your pocket they can exactly. find you anywhere you are don't right. think that they're not looking at you if they want to if you ain't worth nothing they don't care so why are you freaking out but right. if somebody wants to find you you got a tracking device in your pocket so you already chipped yeah. so get that out your head Exactly. That's a really good point to that. And then, I mean, some of the, I don't want to go too deep into it, but some of the stuff is so ridiculous <laughs> that people are saying, especially the Bill Gates things and all that. It's like, yeah. it's just, it's just this like crazy cult rabbit hole mentality thing when it's like, yo, you, you're as in prison as you want to be right now. Yeah. I think, yeah. you know what I mean? Like we, we are, we have freedoms that I don't think you're, accepting or acknowledging you know what i mean and like you said you're giving into the phone and the internet if you don't want to live like that go to a farm and go grow yeah. plants and dj in your farm for the pigs and stuff do whatever you yeah. want there you, you don't go. have to you, be you here with do, us you can you can be as as public or as private as you actually want but right. don't get it twisted if somebody really want to get at you they go get at you no matter how much you hide yeah. You know, it's just the truth of the matter. Exactly. But I think everyone having to stay inside right now is really bringing out the conspiracy theorists um, hardcore, you know, and they're all latching onto each other. And it's like, yo, just. Yeah. I, you know what? I'm just going to do me like I've always done. Like I have me as an individual. I have no control on what happens. Yes. I can only help my friends, my family and do my best to help the less fortunate, like in the inner city. I do a lot of stuff with the Skid Row Housing Trust. I'm just trying to do what I can, being as blessed as I've been, to kind of take care of the people that I can take care of. I have no power over what's going on over there with the government yep. and everybody else. They let them do their thing. And if I can help, I can help, you know. 
I think that's a really good way to put it. Exactly. Just focus on positivity, helping people, helping yourself and you know, good things will happen. If you're focused on the negativity and all the bad stuff, you're just manifesting some, something bad to happen. And you're just focused on the wrong things in life. Like you're going to end up older. Like, what was I doing? I just wasted all my brain power on nothing. You know? Oh yeah. I'm having fun, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, dude, I've had fun my whole life. I ain't tripped on nobody. I ain't tripped on what people say or what people do. I just do me, create my music, create, yep. you know, the things that I do, man. And just yeah, exactly. pass it on, pass it on. How do you think um, this will affect like DJing and just music consumption as a whole going forward? After um, this time? You know, so I've had a lot of discussions on this and people are saying, which I believe is true, that our lives will be changed forever. But yeah. one thing I do know about the human being is this. We forget about shit real quick. Like nine eleven, it's like, oh my God, we'll never go back to doing anything the same way ever again. A right. year later, people forgot all about security, forgot all about everything else. You know what I mean? Yeah. We kind of went back. We're back to square one after nine eleven. Like I don't see security. We're not as secure as we were the year after or the year after that. So I think for yeah. a few years, we're going to be very tight, tightened up, and everybody's going to be aware. But we're human beings. We're going to forget about it, and people are going to just kind of. Go back to normal. Like you said, I saw today this morning, there's crowds of people already in Orange County at bars and clubs that opened up illegally. And they were at the beach packed in there. You know, no way. Oh, crazy. Back. I saw the protests. I didn't see the bars and clubs. Yeah, but I bar- bet I've been seeing it in Texas and other spots, too, where I'm like, damn, this is crazy. I want, it's I crazy. I'm too old for this shit, man. I'll be 55 this year. And they like, you know, that's that number. They're like, if you're 55 or over and you get COVID, you might die. I'm like, really? All right, I'm staying my ass in the house. They're like, yeah, I got this headset, all the 3D printer. I'm in here, all right? I'm chill. Yes, sir. That's crazy. And so you mentioned earlier you have a company called Innovate Next. Um, Can you tell us a little more about that or what what you focus on with that? Yeah, so there's two parts to the company. There's Innovate Next and then there's Open Labs. So Innovate Next is just a company where we create technology, you know, the future. Mostly gaming, music-related stuff. Um, We invest in other companies. But then Open Labs is, is this vision to give back to kids in the inner city giving them access to the tools that they don't have, you know, or just information. Kind of like, you know, when I go speak at the schools, I'm like, dude, everybody in here got a phone. Everybody's got a phone, right? And even these poor kids got like the latest iPhone freaking 10X with 4K and all of that. And I'm like, what do you want to be? I want to be, uh, you know, a film director. Well, let me see some of your stuff. What do you, I don't have anything. Why? You got a phone with a camera that records 4K video. Why aren't you making like movie shorts every day? Or you you want to do music? You've got you've got a freaking recorder. There's that dude that does all this stuff for um all the all of the big artists. He's doing it on his freaking iPhone, making hit records. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's about giving people that push or that nudge. And if they don't have the information, giving them that little bit of information and saying, okay, here's how you do it. Now go do it. Like, well, I want to go get Ableton or I want this. All I got is GarageBand. Man, this fool's making like, let me tell you something. Like, what was his name? Martin Garrett's. That song, Animal. Yeah. He did that shit in Fruity Loops. I'm talking about Fruity Loops before Fruity Loops was now. Like, now yeah. Fruity Loops is a is a professional piece of software. Right. But I remember back when Fruity Loops was like free. It came in a box of Fruit Loops. <laughs> no, yeah, it didn't. Exactly. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. nobody wanted it to use it. lived up to the name. Exactly. And yeah. 
freaking billion views off of the, the song Animals off Huge. of Fruity Loops. It don't matter what you use. The real bands back in the day just had a bass player, a drummer, a piano, and that's it. And maybe, you know, some horns. But yeah. you need anything to make a hit. Exactly. Even back in the day with samplers. I mean, I remember using my first sampler ever and I was like, wait, it can't record more than like a couple seconds. Why? And then oh, you had a I, couple seconds. <laughs> we didn't have. A... <laughs> or I think it was like a second. It was like the no, super we had, high dude, one. We this first sampler we got. And I think this was one of the first ones that ever came out. And this is my old folk talking again. Like we had it was in the car. <laughs> no, interesting. It was rack mount and it had a floppy disk in it. Right. And you could only sample point seventh of a second per sample and i think total the whole machine which cost probably a couple thousand dollars yeah only had two seconds of sample time total <laughs> like total and you had to break it up in point seven second things so that's why i tell people all the old electro funk songs they had a lot of orchestra hits yeah that's what you could sample you that was the longest sound like <laughs> a, a drum kick or a snare or a clap that's how you could get crazy. in there yeah, and now we're like recording full video, audio, high quality yeah. podcasts for hours long. Like yeah. it's crazy. Like so, it ain't nothing, and, and right. people still complaining. And they're still complaining. Exactly. <laughs> like you, people are making hit records. Like you, you just take what you can, and that's what this. Even my computer's sitting on a big stack of books and like an old box right now. Like if you don't have, you can't order shit in the quarantine. You just make your own tripod and. Take your yeah. kids' toys and stack it up. You know, it's like, well, I don't know. You just make it work, MacGyver you style. Make, you make it work. And I'm going to say something else to that, too, which is so funny, is if you look at, I went on and I was looking at something where like, oh, how many, like, you can get 100 VSTs for free. Why do you need 100 VSTs? Yeah, it's, it's You know what I mean? When I did Supersonic for JJ Fad, yeah. it was by accident. I was in the studio working on, a Professor X song, I'm known as Professor X too. Yeah, and um, I was doing a Professor X song, and they were just having to be hanging out in the studio with some girls we knew. And I had like four hours of studio time left over, which at the time it was like a hundred bucks an hour for studio time, and I was gonna save it for something else. Yeah, and like, no, let's mess around, let's do a song. So we did two songs. We did another whole bites to dust, and we did Supersonic. Supersonic was just a throwaway song because I had an hour left. It was a B side. And all I had was an 808 drum machine and a Yamaha DX7 keyboard. That was it. That was the hit. That song is, matter of fact, that song is the title song for Sonic the Hedgehog movie this year. Yeah. It's been on, like, it just keeps going. And it right. cost me 400 bucks to make that song. Not even that, probably 200 that is that's the best thing ever hey, you know i mean i have a seven-year-old son and he knows that song you know what i mean i was like yeah, yeah. i'm like you know the song from sonic you know because like you said yeah. everything has its levels of how you get to know it and he's like oh yeah i know that song you know like, yeah. that's, how crazy is that each generation is going to keep learning that that is a classic song though i mean yeah i love it and like i said it didn't cost anything to make and and even these like if you listen to like in no disrespect i love his music the depth and his style the baby his yeah. stuff was very simple. Yeah. Music is very simple. There ain't a lot yeah. of stuff going on there. It's just grooves, beats, and his vocal. Right. You ain't got to spend a lot of money or a lot of time just make a hit. Yeah. No, less is more, I think, yeah. in, in, in everything you do. You know, the simplicity, like, lets people use the, the other parts of their brain to, like, enjoy it rather than being bombarded by so much stuff.
Unless you're Parliament Funkadelic and you got 18 people on stage. That's <laughs> true, I, love right. that anyway, I guess so. there's two sides to it. I mean, that's, yeah. that's some genius level. Oh, that's, of that, was some, yeah, that was a whole lot of genius and a whole lot of drugs. Yes, uh, yeah. a lot. But then he's in uh, Trolls World Tour a couple weeks ago. <laughs> there you go. Still relevant. That's my main, point. Main character, you know, and they're teaching yeah. the kids and they're like, look, this is the funk and then in the pop. And I was watching with my, I'm like, this is crazy. You know, yeah. is, gotta so. love it. Props to him, George Clinton. Um, all right, cool. Well, uh, I mean, we talked about so much. I asked on the internet uh, if anybody wanted to ask you any questions and got a few things. I popped in the notes. Um, a couple people, Sophie Nam and Danny United, um, just wrote, we want to hear an epic NWA story. I feel like we already heard some, but if you have any you want to tell, um, otherwise we can move on to some other so questions. So I, I tell one that, that's that's kind of cool. Just Okay. To kind of bring uh, my boy Easy E back into, you know, like just a regular old dude. You know yes. what I'm saying? Like this fool would walk around with honey buns in his back pocket. You know what a honey bun is? Remember Wait, the hostess? What? Yeah. The donut looking the oval shape. With yeah. The, yeah. He would buy a couple of those, two or four of them, and he would squish them down and put them in his back pockets, right? <laughs> and we'd be on tour somewhere. And hungry as hell and he would never want to stop nowhere like man just keep going man we, we eat later just go just go you hear him in the back of the van because we just had this big van we should drive around in that fool be like pulling honey buns out of his pocket <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that, that was easy he was a crazy cat man but i thought Yo, that was kind of that was cool. any of the other nwa stuff i can't well the statue of limitations is up but i can't talk about it Oh, no, I feel you. The, I'm, yeah. the, the honey bun story is pretty amazing right there. So <laughs> that's like Ferris Bueller with the yeah. uh, gummy bear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on the yeah, school yeah, bus. Yeah, um, so someone uh, named Frankie from Dallas, he asked, um, "Does do you think the younger generation even knows about your contributions to the music scene? Well, we just covered that. How my son knows right. about supersonic and things like that. And, and also that's why we're doing podcasts like this and other things to, you know, connect with the youth mixed with the OGs and everybody, you know, and just keep the knowledge going. Cause you're never going to go be able to go forward properly without knowing what was behind you, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think too, that, it's crazy what I've noticed about the younger generation is they do their research. A lot of them yeah. will go out and like if they like a piece of music, they go do the research on it. So right. they can I'm kind of figure out everything too. about it. And that's what I kind of like like about this new generation. They're just not diving in. You know, maybe the newer music they just kind of dive in, but when they go back to old stuff, they kind of really want to go check the history of it. Yeah, you're right. I think yeah. they do utilize like that we have access to everything in Spotify and or beat source and uh things that have all the music you know on it oh yeah um, so what about um mateo digs vinyl okay so he obviously likes vinyl too yeah. uh he said do you consider edm to be electro i'm not sure exactly so that's a good one because there's a huge i've never had a problem with it because our music that we did in the 80s was just called electro yeah that was it that was electro Right. Yeah, yep. Then electro in Europe became this other form of electro. And then they kind of threw funk on ours, like electro funk, right? Yeah. Later on. But EDM is everything is just a culmination of the basic beat. Yep. You know, like we, we, I'm going to be honest, we stole it from Germany, from Kraftwerk, 
in that style. And it just kind of went from there, you know. And it's all the same, man. Music, I always say this, man, I, I love all forms of music. And, you know, like even country western, like what happened with uh, Lil Nas, like with doing a yeah. country western song. Huge. It blew up and people appreciated it for what, for just being music. So we got to get out that, oh, this type of music or that type, like so many sub-genres and, and that trap. Trap is evolving into something else too. Yep. You know what I mean? Like you're starting to hear like, singing on trap and pop trap and this trap and trap right. is now turning into edm you yeah. know like as trap if you go to an edm festival well when you could go to an edm festival <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was a lot of very high epic the epic stuff yeah but now you're hearing a lot of trap because of you know people like skrillex coming in and slowing edm down a lot and right. now trap is being a lot more accepted in edm yep this is what it is it's all electronic music. I I agree. I'm on that. I'm on that same page. Um, someone else asked. I don't even know if I could read their name. It was like Geeskerd. I don't know. People got some weird names on the internet. But thanks for the question. They said, "What has given you more satisfaction, success in music or success in the in your tech career?" Um, I would say both because I've never actually distinguished the two. Because one of my theories in life since the beginning is is all of medium is the same you know what i mean you can't have a movie without music and yeah. you can't have music without people you know yeah. you can't you can have instrumentals but you know there's all everything is just all together yeah and for me from the beginning like i said when i started making music at 15 or 16 I was already into the whole video game thing and programming and all of that back then. So for me, it was all together. I was literally doing sprite animation and 8-bit audio all at wow. the same time. So for me, since back then, it's been the same. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Um, all right, let's get it. Let's do one more question. Um, DJ P. Dot writes in. This is a good one to end on. How many TR808s do you own? <laughs> Ooh, I have actually one and a hat and it's so funny you mentioned like i got my 808 hat on yeah uh, my boy egypt's got multiple ones egypt's got a man, i don't know how many he's got but i know he's got a gold one he had wrapped in uh like gold and it's got like all the egyptian like symbols and stuff all over it but i just got wow. just one and mine has been broken since the day i bought it it literally <laughs> when when you run it and that's why i know it's mine like if anybody ever stole my 808 i could go find it yes when, when you when the claps hit, they echo. Wow. Like, no matter what, the echo, they can be turned down. They kind of do their own little random thing. Even if they're not on, you can yeah. still hear them in the background. Can I? I'm like, that's kind of dope. That's crazy. Yeah. Damn. Every 808 has its own personality. Their own personality because they're all analog. <laughs> I want to try that new one that they have now. Dude, the Behringer one? Yeah, Is or, or like, one? don't doesn't Roland just have a new 808 they came well, out? Well, Roland has, yeah, they well, Roland has a new drum machine that will do the 808, but Behringer okay. came out with an 808. Oh, wow, because okay. the patent has you know been expired, so they right. just made an 808. Oh, Roland has like a mini 808 that's a little bitty, like this size, but right, Behringer came out with one that's kind of like standard size. Tight, I gotta check that out um dope well uh is there well first where can everyone find you um on the internet what's your... uh, if they want to find me i'm just og arabian prince on twitter and instagram um facebook it's 
I got a couple of Arabian friends from up there. My top secret name is Mick Lazan, which is my real name backwards. And um, yeah, that's, that's me. All right, dope. And then uh, is there anything you want to leave uh, all the people listening, any advice or whatever, just uh, your motto, something? <laughs> oh, man. Just, you know, I'm a Willy Wonka in a chocolate factory guy, man. Just, you know, make a wish. Count to three. Come with me. You know, like, yeah. no, it, it's just go out and create and just be amazing, man. Like, especially in these time, hard times, these are the times when people get pushed to the wall and this is where innovation and creativity comes out. When you get pushed to the wall is when you create more and create better because you're like backed up against it. Because you, I'm sure like, like you said, January, you had like a hell of a January. You probably got real comfortable after all these corporate gigs. You was like, yeah. I'm kind of good. Yeah. Uh, and that's what happens when we get to a, a point where you have gold and platinums or you had hit records, you get a little bit complacent a little bit. And shit happens and wakes you up and makes you go like, oh, shit, I got to get to work. And I think that's it's unfortunate, but hopefully people are taking it and making a positive out of a negative. That's what I got to say. Yes, that was amazing. (laughs) Yo, Arabian Prince, thank you so much for being on the 20 podcast. I appreciate you. Yes, we appreciate you and all the knowledge dropping gems on us. Um, And uh, we will hopefully see you again sometime soon. Yes, sir. All right. The 20 podcast is produced by BeatSource. Join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to DJs. Peace. And that was the 20 with DJ Spider.